Welcome to the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm Jennifer Silliman, and this show is continuing the conversations started in the award-winning first-ever documentary film about maternal mental health. My journey as an advocate began through the power of storytelling. With this podcast, I hope to create a community of women and professionals sharing their own powerful narratives to let others know they're not alone and help is out there. Keep in mind that some of the stories you will hear may be triggering, but it's important they be told. This podcast is not a replacement for professional help from a licensed medical provider. If you or someone you know is suffering due to a maternal mental health condition, please contact your medical provider or call or text message the Postpartum Support International Helpline at 1-800-944-4773. Now let's continue the conversation. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Dark Side of the Full Moon podcast. I'm here today with Tina Deppner. She is um, lives in Missouri. Uh, she lives with her husband and 11-year-old son. When her son was six days old, uh, Christina experienced a mental health crisis when she was overcome with postpartum psychosis. And following a week stay in the hospital, Christina also experienced severe postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety, which led to two more hospital stays before she was stabilized. Um, Like many of us who have gone through this, she is super passionate about maternal mental health advocacy work, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today as well. So Tina, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Is this your first podcast? This is. This is my (gasps) first podcast. My gosh, I love it when people have their first times with me. (laughs) That's so awesome. Yay. I meant to ask you that before we started recording, but yay. Awesome. Well, you're going to do great. I'm I'm so excited. I'm so excited for this story because it's not very often that I get moms that come on and, and want to share their story about psychosis. And it's something that is so important to be talked about. Um, it's it, And when it is talked about in other mediums, like the news and stuff like that, it's often not told properly. It's told in a scary way. It's sensationalized. Um, and it really just kind of gives the, the wrong idea of, of psychosis and whatnot. So that's why I love when moms come on and, and talk about it from their perspective and their point of view and, and their personal story. So I appreciate it so much. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so let's, I always tell my guests that they can start wherever they feel comfortable with their story. Um, it, I, I don't think that I've heard your story in its entirety. So I, I'm also going to be an avid listener here today and, and listening to all of this. I know um, your son's 11. So we were just kind of reminiscing and talking about when you're 11 years out <laughs> from the experience, kind of like, okay, you know, you were asking your mom for some timeline things and make sure we got it all right. Cause it's been so long. Right. Um, so I'm, ex- I'm, I'm interested in hearing it. And again, it's such an important story. So I'm going to let you start wherever you feel comfortable starting to share your experience. Great. Um, well, uh, my pregnancy was pretty typical. It was, um, I had a little bit of difficulty. It was very sick, but I was very, very happy all throughout my pregnancy. And, um, we went through the birthing classes and, and I distinctly recall after my experience, looking back on the birthing classes and not, I don't think that 
postpartum psychosis was covered at all. So when I started displaying symptoms, my husband had no idea what was going on, which delayed treatment and put us in a crisis situation. But um, so I went into preterm labor. Um, that was kind of traumatic and was put on bed rest subsequently and um, had prepared for, I mean, and like many women do a birth plan, you know, I had this picture in my mind that, you know, I was going to go in, I, I didn't want medication, which holy cow, that was, that was not, <laughs> when you're in there, it's like, yeah, okay, we rethink that real quick. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, but I was going to do all this natural and, and it was going to be fantastic and everything I dreamed. And that's not how it went for me at all. I, you know, I labored for 16 hours. I pushed for an hour and a half and then it was, you need a cesarean, you know, you need to have a C-section right now. So that all, I think kind of added to the stress that I was under. So, I mean, Landon came and he was perfect, completely healthy. He was um, a great baby, you know, I mean, throughout he, I don't know what I would have done if he would have had a colic or something, but he was fantastic through, throughout all of um, his infancy. But um, in the hospital, you know, I recall being just tired. Um, I was trying to breastfeed. That was stressful. Um, but everything, it to me, seemed like it was going as it should. But my mother-in-law later told me that she she noticed right away that something like a light had switched, like something was totally different. So we were, um, you know, we were sent home and within a day or two, I, I wasn't sleeping at all. I, I could not sleep. And when I did fall asleep, I was having these vivid, super scary dreams just, I would wake up crying. I would wake up scared that someone was going to steal Landon. I just had this, that was a theme throughout when the psychosis hit that I really thought Landon was going to be stolen, that someone was trying to kidnap him. So, I mean, the not sleeping, the being worried about him being kidnapped. I was worried, overly worried about germs, you know, researching all the things, you know, to make sure that he, you know, I over sanitizing things, you know, all of that. And, um, and I was making all these lists and I make, and I love post-its and I make lists on the daily anyways, but this was like, this was so o- overboard, you know, mm-hmm. of what, and you know, normally, you know, you would, you would expect someone to do. So I, I mean, even after my hospitalization, when I came back, I mean, there were lists everywhere, you know? So my, my family noticed that okay, some, something's not right. I was crying all the time, you know, just for no reason. My husband didn't, you know, didn't know what to do to comfort me. So we ended up um, going to the emergency room. My, my husband and my parents took me to the emergency room and I was hearing voices and I was also seeing things, you know, like through the television, I, I was seeing things that weren't there at all. And I wasn't sharing those things with my family. So they didn't know that piece, but they just saw some erratic behavior that was concerning. And when I went to the hospital, I think that they took me more than once, maybe twice to the emergency room. 
I would, the voices would be telling me that they're going to try to take my baby. If I tell them what's going on, that they're going to, they're going to take my baby. So I would pull it together and pretend and they, you know, I don't know if they should have done something different. You know, that part, I'm not sure, but they concluded that I had anxiety both times that I went to the emergency room and prescribed me with volume, I think maybe once and maybe Prozac another time or something and discharged me. So that, that happened a few times. And my mom, who I did not have any prior history of depression or any of anything like that before the psychosis hit. But my mother is um, bipolar and her parents also had some serious mental illness. So, um, so my mom knew that something was not right, that it was not anxiety, but, and I, I can, my memory is very blotchy, but I do remember being in the ER and I, I recall her and I talking when the doctor left and she was like, you've got to tell them that, that, you know, there is more going on than anxiety. And I would say off the wall things to her. And then I would turn it off when the doctor came in the room. I mean, it's just unbelievable. You wonder how many, you know, I only know my story, but you wonder how many women that are going through this, do the same thing, you know? And I wonder that too, like how many women are, you know, high, it's a, I'm sure it's a very high percentage that are hiding things like that, but so good for your mom to like, no, this is not like, you need to tell them. And so my guess is that you obviously didn't tell them they sent I you home, they sent you home with some Valium, right. So you can get some sleep. Um, and then maybe Prozac or something for like a mood stabilization kind of thing. Um, right. So then what happened? Um, well, we, my, my uh, Landon needed to go to the pediatrician for his checkup. So we went and I was acting bizarre during his visit. The pediatrician noticed that something was not right. And, um, and the voices were like, extremely prevalent during that time. And we left that visit and I don't think the doctor said anything to Jason, but he, he just, you know, I remember a little bit of having a conversation with him and, and he, you know, just saying what is going on with you? I mean, you acted so bizarre and I, we just shook it off. And I think maybe even the following day, cause there was a, that six days before I was hospitalized, I had my checkup with the OB and had my staples removed and we went in and they came in to remove the staples. And I just, I jumped up off the table. I, I mean, it was, it was very chaotic. I, I mean, it doesn't hurt at all to have that done. And I was, I was just losing it. My mind was crumbling into a million pieces. And they didn't, the doctor didn't piece it together until we left. They had a staff meeting, an emergency staff meeting, and they discussed, and my doctor, they concluded that I was having, I had psychosis, that they needed to call my husband. Well, we were already home. I had already, I think in the midst of all of that, because I, I don't know if it took them an hour or so to conclude, but when I was home, my husband had left 
and Landon and I were alone by ourselves. And my mother, I think she had been staying with us, but I believe she lived in close proximity. So I think she may have went home to change or to take a nap or something, but I was alone with Landon and I picked him up and I started pacing that I started pacing the house and, and the voices were so loud. And, um, and I just knew that I was not okay. You know, that I, that Landon was not safe and that I was not okay. So I called my husband and he answered and I don't recall exactly what I said. I think I may have asked him where he was, when he would be home. And he said, I'm, I'm just doing, you know, I just had to run an errand. Is everything okay? And I said, yeah, everything's okay. And I hung up with him and I paced some more. And then I called my mother and I said, mom, I'm not okay. Like I'm, I'm really not okay. You need to come and you need to take Landon. And so she was there within five minutes. I I opened the door and she said, please hand me the baby. And I had to really, really think, you know, it's like, because I was in such, my mind was just so gone. You know, I thought, can I hand her him, you know? And I handed him over and then the remainder of, you know, my husband, she called my husband, he came and, and then I started being combative. I wasn't cooperating, but Landon was safe at that point, you know? it just really escalated and they had to call 911 and um, had to have assistance to get me to the, um, the hospital where I didn't cooperate at the hospital. They knew right away the way I was acting. They knew right away what it was at that point. And my OB had called Jason after he called 911 and said, we, she has psychosis. You need to get her to the hospital. And he, at that point, you know, we just called 911. She's on her way. So yeah, it was, um, very, very scary situation for my family, for me, you know, and after we got to the hospital and they discussed what was going on with me, with my husband, I mean, that never crossed our minds that that is what was occurring. I mean, we, we barely, they maybe touched on it. I don't, they may have touched on it in the birthing classes, may, maybe mentioned the name that it could be a postpartum illness, but that it was never described what that would be, you know, what the symptoms would be, you know, so it was just a complete shock of, of what I was going through and, and ultimately what I was diagnosed with. Do you remember most of your hospital stay? I do. Um, it took, they, I ended up having to be sedated like you would see on a movie. I mean, it took four or five people. They had to come and restrain me. They had to inject me. I'm sure it was very traumatic for my husband. And, um, and they put me in, in a padded room and they left the door cracked open. And so when I came to, I, I remember wandering out of the room and going up to the nurse's station. And, and then I just, I think I sat by myself at a table and, um, it was just, I was so cloudy. I mean, they had me under, they were very concerned about my well being. I was, I was watched 24 hours a day for the first few days. Um, 
I would go up to the phones and I couldn't remember a phone number. I would just dial miscellaneous numbers trying to call my family. I would wander around the 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 halls with they only give you like baby shampoo and stuff like that when you're in a ward like that and I would carry the baby shampoo around and smell the baby shampoo because it reminded me of Landon I I remember that and I remember um I mean they wouldn't even let me go to the lunchroom by myself I mean and I was not allowed to eat with the other patients I they had me bring um, my meal up to the, where the nurses could watch me, um, eat. Wow. So, so they even isolated you from the other patients. Mm-hmm. At mealtime they did. Otherwise, um, I was just, I think I was so sick that I don't even know if I was able to communicate with the other patients for the first few days, just yeah. because of how ill I was. Right. When was the, when, how, when would you identify the, the turning point when you were, when you were in the hospital? Was there, was there a point where you kind of came out of being so medicated? Cause I know they heavily medicate you when you first get in there. Um, was there, do you remember a, a moment like that? Did you have that moment when you were there? I think it was more gradual. I think as the, the medication started to work, um, and, and by work, I mean, kind of stabilize. I, through the course of my illness and the depression, I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I, I went, I think I've tried every single medication out there, you know, different combinations, different side effects. Some are awful, you know, and some, or more mild and, but for that first stay in that first try at that, whatever, I don't recall what combination they use, but it, it did pull me back to being able, I, rem, I do distinctly remember the voices stopping, seeing things on the TV. I remember that totally stopping, probably, I would say two or three days in, I would say. So, um, yeah, I'm sure that felt like such a relief when, you know, when the auditory and the, you know, yes. the visual hallucinations stop because, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have hallucinations, but intrusive thoughts can be very, I mean, that, that kind of stuff is so debilitating. It's so, I mean, unless you've experienced it, it's so hard to even to explain it to somebody because of just how debilitating it is. And, and I always ask, um, I always ask moms if they have that like moment. I had that. that I always like to know because I had that moment because <laughs> I really like, remember specifically when I, when the, when I didn't, cause I was having intrusive thoughts like every like 45 seconds or so, like I never got a break. It was kind of just like repet, like repetitive. And I remember when I got on my medication, I, re- I remember we were in the, I know exactly where we were in the second floor of the mall near my house, like right outside the shoe store, like if we're pushing the stroller. And I remember looking at my husband and going, I haven't had an intrusive thought for like half an hour. Like I, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I haven't had like, and it's just like the weight of like the universe comes off of you. And, um, 
And then it allows you to start healing. I mean, it's impossible to, to really progress at all when you're having things like that, hallucinations. And so, I mean, it, it's so interruptive that you can't, I mean, you just, you can't, which is why they heavily, you know, they medicate you. And, and even for intrusive thoughts, they, they treat you with antipsychotic medication, um, which is what I, which is what I was put on. So, um, so yeah, so you were, so how long were you in the hospital for? Um, for the psychosis, I was in the hospital for six days for six days. Okay. And then you had two other, it was, it might've been a full week actually. Okay. And then you had two other stays after that. Yes. Uh, they had, the doctors had informed my husband that there was a, a solid chance that I would go into a severe depression, um, which did, I mean, it occurred and it was very severe. So he, Landon was maybe, I mean, by the time he was two months old, I had been hospitalized two additional times. And that was for, um, suicidal ideations. Like I never, um, I never attempted suicide, but I had a plan and, um, it, and I identify with the, when you just spoke about the intrusive thoughts and just like the repetitive that, um, the suicidal ideations and suicidal thoughts are very much, was very much like that for me. Um, but I mean, I went to Jason both times and, um, and told him, you know, I'm, I'm not okay. I, I need to go back, you know? So the, um, the second stay was for, I think maybe three or four days. And then the last day was at a different hospital for a week. And, um, that one, um, stabilized me enough to where I didn't have to go back. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, what they did differently. So were they making like med adjustments and, and things like that? Yeah. 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 Um, and then were you lucky enough to get a, a plan for when you left? Because I talked to so many moms that have been hospitalized that like, don't get like an outpatient plan. Like there's no like follow-up after they've been treated. I mean, did you have all of that? Were you able to connect with other resources? Um, when I was released with the psychosis, the, the psychiatrist that was, was treating me at that time, um, we did not jive. It was not a good relationship. It, um, it was very much, um, it was not helpful, you know, and, um, and I can't recall if we went to a few sessions with her and then I switched, but, but she was insistent that I had bipolar disorder and my husband and my son or my husband and my dad were, were like, no, she, she does not. That's not what is, what she needs to be treated for. And so, um, I did end up making a switch to the psychiatrist. I still see today actually. And, um, and he's been wonderful. And I think that part of the success I've seen with him is that he, um, he lets me have input into my treatment, um, and the medicate, like he really hears me and he, um, and he does take into consideration and allows me to make like choices too. I mean, every month when I talk to him, I mean, even just like last weekend, 
how is everything going? Do you know, is anything, has anything changed? You know, do you want to, do you want to stay on this medicine or do you want think, do you want me to change them? And so I think that, that input was, is pretty valuable to whereas that first psychiatrist, I, um, I felt like I was on a time watch. Like I only had like five or 10 minutes to tell her everything I needed to tell her, you know, and, um, and she, I, and I don't think that she, it didn't feel like she would have let me have a voice, you know, in my own treatment. So, yeah, I'm curious then, are you still, so you're obviously still medicated. Had you ever gone off the medication in between or no, have you been medicated since all your hospitalizations? I, um, it's interesting because Landon was maybe four or five when I got off of all, all of the medication and I was doing quite well, you know, with, with handling that. And then I made a job change and, um, took a very stressful, um, position, um, high level management and, um, the combination of the stress from that job. And then, um, and I think that the chemistry in my brain is just different from my, you know, I just don't, I don't think you ever recover fully from those experiences, um, coupled with that. And then, um, I was prescribed Prozac at the time that I ended up having to go back on these medications, the Prozac, you know, I, or not Prozac, the, um, prednisone. Yes. So I was prescribed prednisone and that, I mean, you don't sleep with that. You get hyped up from that. It's an upper, right. Yes. So those three things led me to, I did have to be hospitalized again. Uh, the, um, psychosis did return and that was, um, probably in 2016, Landon was six and I was hospitalized for a week from that. So, um, since that had occurred, that has occurred, I've been on, it's a mild antidepressant and, um, and I don't, I don't take much of it, but I do, I will have to take something for the remainder of my life, I think just because the brain chemistry is just different, you know, and I'm, I don't handle stress, uh, like I did prior to that happening. So, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think definitely whether even just a brain chemistry or just the, the trauma and our bodies then just being so sensitive to, you know, changing jobs, moving, having a baby, right. Those are all like the tough things that like send people into perhaps some sort of, um, emotional health crisis because they're big things, right. There are these big life events that happen and, um, yeah, our stories are so similar in that sense of, um, it, it kind of continuing after. So my, my breakdown was in 2017 was when I completely went back into having intrusive thoughts and, and all that. I don't know if you from this, from your face, I'm thinking you did not know that. Um, but yeah, I, um, I was good. I went off my meds in like two. So I know because I, so one of the side effects is weight gain, right. From all these meds. I, I, geez, Louise, like I lost all my baby <laughs> weight. And then like within like three months gained all of it back. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I remember after I went off everything, 
um, that I had joined Weight Watchers and then I had ended up working for them for a really long time. And, um, I lost, you know, lost my weight and that was 2011. So I was off my meds from 2011 to 2017. And then Thanksgiving, 2017, I started having intrusive thoughts again, um, of hurting my daughter who at the time, who was now, not a baby. <laughs> so it was so bizarre. I mean, it, and it, and like, you know, when I dealt with it the first time I hit it for six months, uh, I lasted like six hours and I was like, okay, this isn't going away. Like, I don't know what to do. And the good news was I was already under the treatment, um, of a psychiatrist because I had been having debilitating panic attacks while I was driving. Oh. And so that was kind of like the precursor then to having all of these intrusive thoughts that started happening. That was kind of like the break, like that my, I just, I broke. Um, and when I break intrusive thoughts are like the, the thing that like comes out of all of that. So, um, interestingly enough, because you talked about, um, the doctor who wanted to diagnose with bipolar, I got diagnosed with bipolar, um, uh, mainly because of my mom and then kind of like that family history and, um, for the first two months that I saw my psychiatrist, she wouldn't even medicate me. She's like, I just need you to write down your moods. Like I need you. I mean, as long as you're not like in crisis, I need you to kind of look and see when these things are happening and see if we can find a pattern or know or anything. And, um, there wasn't a real big pattern, but she said, I'd really like to put you on a mood stabilizer because I really think you have like bipolar onset from, you know, your, you know, everything that happened. So then I ended up going on a mood stabilizer and, and stabilizing out for a while. And until, like the problem was, is that I'm, I'm, I don't fall on the depression side. I'm more on the upper side. So I really had been manic like my whole life and didn't really understand it. Like I didn't, I thought that was just normal. And so, you know, when, when a good psychiatrist starts digging into like, they're just so good at asking the right questions. And they're like, so do you have a full-time? Like, oh yeah, I have a full-time job. And I have like eight things I do on the side. And I developed all these businesses. And, you know, I had this idea on Friday and I already have the website up and it's Monday. And so like I did it in three days and she was just like, that's not normal. And I was like, really? Because I've been doing this my whole life. And they're like, she's like, yeah, no, that's not, you are manic. Like you are sped up. And so um, most recently then it happened again, just like, I don't know, I have my, my next psych appointments on my birthday on Tuesday. <laughs> so it's been a month. Um, and she put me on another antipsychotic. I, got, I was put on Seroquel so I could sleep at night. Um, and it, it is in effect, um, a dopamine inhibitor because my dopamine was just I have all these amazing things happening in my life. And I, I can't even handle the good stuff. It's so frustrating. It's like nothing bad is happening. I can't handle the bad stuff. In fact, I think I handle the bad stuff a little bit better than like when things are going like so great. I just like, I told her, I was like, you know, I just, I feel, I feel like I'm going to burst in the glitter. That's what I told her. She goes, hmm, yeah, that's great that you're so excited. But if your mind doesn't balance itself out naturally, you're going to tank like you are going to go from cloud, you know, nine to like negative a hundred and you're going to go into a major depression. So we need to put you on something. And, um, 
Yeah. It's so it's frustrating, but yeah, in that way, our stories are very similar. And I, and, and I, and that's the one thing I, I always like to edge. And we're going to talk about um, your advocacy work in just a second, but I, I always like to make sure that moms know that, you know, and, and I, uh, we always try to frame it to, to be hopeful, but I also like moms to know that sometimes like this stuff continues, you know, and there are things that have to be maintained down the line because things happen. Like you have another baby, you switch jobs, you move, there's a death in your family, you get divorced. I mean, there's all these things then that happen that our body is just so fragile that we can't, we can't handle it. And it sends us in such an extreme. Um, so I, it, it makes me so happy that you found a doctor that you like, <laughs> because I know that could be very frustrating to not find someone that you can communicate with and, and really gives you, um, the ability to have a say in how you're being treated. Um, which I find I, I like, I'm, that makes me so happy for you because you don't hear that that often. And you kind of just lit up when you said, and you know, I just saw him last week and he was like, Hey, do you want and like, that just makes me so happy. Um, because that, that is when, you know, the treatment is the treatment's going to work. Um, so I just think that's just like, so great. So, so take us to present day. I mean, I know you just had an what, appointment a week ago. I mean, we're, we're good. Everything is good. Everything is good. Everything is great. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I think that the first time that I went off of the medicine, I think I was so focused on not being on medicine you know, you're told that you shouldn't be on medicine forever. And this, this last time, I mean, and my doctor has done a lot of research on his own and he's shared with me, you know, that this, the reoccurrence just puts you at such a great risk of, um, it happening again, if you go off your medicine, you know, when something stressful happens or something exciting happens or, you know, because you're just, you're prone to go to that psychosis. So, um, he just, he has recommended for me to, to just stay on something probably for the duration. And, and I have come to totally accept that and be okay with, with that, you know, cause the quality yeah. of life is, um, important and, um, and I just, I don't think that there is anything wrong with taking medicine to stay healthy. You know, I am a hundred percent okay with that. So, so I know like most of us, when we experience something like this, we always want to pay it forward. We want to, and we do that in many different ways. How, do, how do you do that? I mean, you're doing it today, sharing your story here on the podcast so that people can hear this story and know that they're not alone and that help is out there. Are there any other ways that you, I mean, what do you, what do you do to kind of pay it forward? When Landon was, had just first been born and I, um, and I did get through the psychosis and I, and I think I was still struggling with the depression um, I started blogging, so don't, I no longer do that, but, um, the blog is still active and I have had over the years, many people, I mean, if, if I think if you Google postpartum psychosis, you know, or something that I haven't done that in a while, but it eventually comes up my, my blog comes up or news articles I've been a part of come up, um, news pieces. So, um, that's still active. And I, and I was very detailed in my experience in the blog. 
and um, making sure to relay that um, you can come out the other side, that there is hope, you will, you will get through it. You know, you just have to be, I mean, one of the biggest things I think is, is to be honest and to be, and to communicate, you know, the people that are treating you only know what they know, you know, if you keep it to yourself, if the medicine's not working and, and you don't want to keep switching medicines, well, that's not going to get you anywhere, you know? So I did the blogging and, um, did a lot of guest pieces. I don't know if, if you may have done that as well, but at that time, at the, like the 2011, 2012, 2013, I mean, blogging was so prevalent and, you, you know, I was pretty consistently being guest blog, you know, guest article here, guest article there. So I did that um, and then uh, became active with um, postpartum progress at the time. And, um, and I just, I found it to be so beneficial to speak with, well, not, I mean, it was all online, but to connect with women who were going through the same thing that I was going through or similar is kind of as rare, but the depression and anxiety is um, more common, but um, to walk through that at the same time, you know, to have that support, I was very important to me. So when, when people do, I mean, and I still have people reach out to me, you know, it's, it doesn't happen as often, but I do have it happen. And one of the things that that I always point them towards is to have a strong support system, but always also to try to find a support group of some sort, you know, because I have, I have looked online and there are other support groups out there now. And I, Mm -hmm. I just, I found that to be incredibly beneficial. Um, And I did belong to a few to kind of advise um, young mothers, but I kind of got, got overwhelmed with that. As there's so, you know, there's so many. Um, and as much as I, I mean, I don't know how Catherine did it for as long as she did. I mean, it's just difficult to um, constantly be trying to reach every person on the, you know, in the group or whatever. But, um, but I did do that for a while. All amazing things. And that's, it's what it's about, right? Just keep spreading, you know, it's the stories and, you know, cause unfortunately not much has changed as far as moms kind of knowing about these things. It usually comes from other moms and that's how they learn about, you know, these things that nobody, you know, in the healthcare community really wants to talk about. It's very rare that you, you know, that you hear that a mom, you know, in her childbirth class heard about psychosis or even postpartum depression and anxiety. And it's so common. And yet we focus on other things that are just really not that common or that serious or scary. So, I mean, it's like, oh my gosh, like we get it. Gestational diabetes, like we totally get it. Um, but there are some other things that are just a little bit, you know, they're, they're serious and they're more, they're very common. Um, so yeah, we definitely need to talk to them. Well, I, appreciate you so much sharing your story and and going back 11 years for me um you know to kind of rehash that and 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 share it and talk about it um 
it's, it's going to help so many people. And I'm going to put links to everything in the um, notes of the podcast episode so that everyone can quickly link um, to find the blogs that you've done and, and maybe some of the, you know, other articles and things um, that are online. So Tina, thank you so much for sharing your story today. 